when you are creating absolutely new, unimagined imagery, you have to show it. There is really no other choice. It's just, it's, it's really, a, it's, it's a very functional thing. Good evening and welcome to Midnight Videos Doomsday Clock, our catastrophic countdown of cult crackers with your host me Phil Walsh and me Jim Hall. Tonight, with the hands poised at 11 minutes to midnight, we suckle on the abusive teat of extreme shrink Oliver Reed for David Cronenberg's The Brood. minutes to midnight the second of air little doomsday clock specials and tonight david cronenberg's the brood uh what i'm already you... coming out in hype yes okay. <laughs> little nipples <laughs> yeah the winner on their direct um listeners vote director's choice um a few shows back now was the dead zone which you um i'm trying to forget <laughs> i'm seriously trying to forget that you've, you've been in therapy to try and forget it haven't you yeah exactly i told you i'm coming out I've got this big one right on my... Mummy, you hurt me. You hit me with your fists and, and you scratched me with your nails. You, you hurt me. If your life's dropping to bits, who could be better to look for help from than Dr. Oliver Reed, whose revolutionary technique of psychoplasmics results in patients externalising their anger as bodily injuries and deformities? But why are those surrounding divorced dad Art Hendel suddenly turning up dead? Why is his ex-wife Samantha Egger always wearing a white curtain? And who are the menacing midgets running amok with mallets? So the last David Cronenberg film we reviewed, I wasn't particularly keen on, but I blame Stephen King for that. You were tired and emotional at the time. <laughs> yeah, but I've seen The Brood before. It's got Oliver Reed in it. It's a winner already. It's not Oliver Reed and Michael winner, though. <laughs> for there were several. Oh, God. Yeah, I'd, uh, I think I first saw this at the Scala Cinema. It was part of their, like, Devil Babies All Nighter. I guess like, after Omen, which is, is a good film. Obvious but one. they also had Larry Cohen's It's Alive and oh, It Lives yeah. Again. And inexplicably, rather than Omen 2, Omen 4. Three. Oh, okay. Omen 4, <laughs> which is like a TV movie with a, 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 a girl as the next kind of anti That's the kind of thing Midnight Video would do. Yeah, possibly, I guess. <laughs> But no, this this really stood out as the best one in it. Um, I was a big fan of Cronenberg when I was younger. I remember liking this a great deal, but I've not really watched it, well, I haven't watched it in years. And uh, watching it again last night, it was quite a different film to the one I remember. What the plot-wise and everything, it was all there. The, this might be the same for you. The scene that is really, it sounds cliche, etched onto my mind, but the thing I always associate when, when the, the brood is mentioned is the scene when one of the uh, the killer kids is gripping hold of the banisters after committing this murder. Yeah. Let's go and leaves these blood-red handprints behind, uh, which is a great image. And yeah, There's a little the, girl witnessing this. Yeah, <laughs> well, we'll get on to that. Um, yeah, like I say, the plot's what I remember, but I remember it being a lot more gruesome and grisly, whereas it seems kind of peppered with those moments, but mm. an awful lot of it seems a lot more of a psychodrama, doesn't it? It's Definitely. more about the horror of divorce and the, the trauma of it yeah. um, as I think people will know this was um, made by Cronenberg at the time when he was going through a really messy divorce and child custody case and that's the thing that really struck me here um, the, there is that usual David Cronenberg body horror stuff that sounds like I'm being a bit dismissive of it I think it's a really good setup. 
But this feels like probably his most... It feels like it's been ripped from him almost. His other films seem a little bit cerebral in that you can... I think they're great, you know, but you, you can imagine him sitting down and constructing a plot and characters who kind of work with each other. This feels a lot more almost spontaneous. It feels like he's just gone blah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, an obvious comparison for me is Possession, uh, Andrzej Zalewski's Possession, which, again, was written in similar circumstances. He was going through a big divorce at the time. And, and again, he, just, he manifests it with horror effects. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, very similarly as well. Mm. Um, I can't remember what year Possession was, but it must I think it be... was 81. Maybe. Okay, so it's a couple of years later. I yeah. doubt Zalaski would have watched this. He might have, though. He might yeah. have, though. But he does a similar thing, or they, they share similarities, not only in how the, the horrors are manifested, but also the characters. You know, the, there's a... There's something where Zulavsky likes to heighten his characters. They're always in the thralls of um, some kind of manic overtones. Drama, right? Yeah. Um, what I found more with Cronenberg, um, he is more withdrawn. Like his main character, certainly um, the father, he plays out very much like a usual Cronenberg character. Very, uh, you can't really place him. He's so emotionless. There's someone there who is grounded in a reality that is quite different from everyone else's. Yeah, I guess also with this, so many, practically every other character is someone quite over the top. So making um, the main character, Art Hindle, Someone so blank, it's easy for the audience to identify with that person rather than anyone else here. Mm. It he's also, also means... very lost, though, isn't he? There's, yeah, there's this sense of like he's um, he's on autopilot or something, mm-hmm. whereas everyone else around him is aware of the situation yeah. becoming more and more heightened. And I can cut him some slack because yes, he's meant to be going through this trauma of divorce and, and child custody. But like I say, the other characters are so much more vivid, and especially Oliver Reed, who I kind of forgotten that he only has a supporting role. Really, I think my because it's been so long since I watched it, I kind of imagined he was the main character in it, but he's not, of course. But it's Oliver Reed who's doing a good job. He's not, you know, he's not playing to the gallery. But it opens with him abusing this poor sod who looks yes, (laughs) really laying into the poor bugger who looks like um, a Zach Galifianakis. Well, he looks kind you know, of like Zach he looks from really the Hangover. Um, the big well, hairy yeah, guy who's the bearded in guy. Who from, yeah, I think yeah. Zach Galifianakis is based his entire right. shtick on this uh, Michael, aka Michelle. Yeah, the guy because uh, yeah, Oliver Reed's basically saying he's, he's he's standing in as the guy's father during this sort of psychotherapy Same session. On him. Yes, <laughs> and basically, mate, really, really kicking him in the nuts, <laughs> and then saying he hasn't got any. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that, I remember that again. The the opening is so it's horrifying. Powerful. Yeah, um, it's very funny. But, um, <laughs> and yeah, all of the other main characters in it are really vivid. Uh, Samantha Egger, Egger again, um, who doesn't appear in it that much, but you remember whenever she does. I mean, mm. there's a very powerful performance from her. Amazing hair. <laughs> yeah, again, she's... really nuts eyes. And I've got to say, for the time, uh, even though we're kind of used to this now. But back then, just saying fuck seemed quite a big deal. And it's kind of weird coming from her, even though I'm not really familiar with her from that many other stories, uh, films. But it kind of um, jolted me a little mm. bit how, mm. how venomous she was getting. Then again, going back to Scanners, 
one of the characters I loved in this is um, Robert A. Silverman, who plays the guy who uh, claims that Oliver Reed's psychoplasmics has given him this weird growth kind of on his thyroid. Um, do you remember? Yeah, uh, cancerous growth. Do you remember him from Scanners? Is the guy who yes, plays the yeah. artist? He's in and quite think, a few of yeah, Cronenberg's films. Looking at his filmography, it mostly looks to be Cronenberg, but he really stands out as a guy who's supposedly got this sort of terminal disease and just seems quite way out about it. It's almost like a bit like Dennis Hopper around Apocalypse Now kind yeah. of era. Um, so yeah, I guess poor Art Hindle doesn't really stand a chance against him. <laughs> Even his daughter, uh, Candy, her teacher stands out against uh, against Art Hindle because her haircut is so amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Ruth Mayer is, uh, is the character. But yeah, she's got this weird kind of short hair which then feathers out into a bit of a mullet at the back, doesn't it? But, Pretty um, damn cool. Yeah, but I suppose something we really need to talk about are the demon kids. Mm. Which I think are great. Um, they almost worried me a bit, actually. <laughs> when they, they, They're so vicious. And yeah, they have, I think, three or four main attacks. Uh, they start by tenderizing their victim. And, and later, there's a scene when they go ballistic in a school classroom. And this was... That's extraordinary. Well, it was a really good scene. Um, I thought it was brilliantly done how they're filmed from the back and all the kids are in these anonymous kind of anorak or ski suits. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose I'm guessing they were played by dwarves rather than children. Mm-hmm. But you can kind of tell there's something different about them anyway. You're seeing them from the back, but then uh, the daughter, Candy, sees them and they lead her away and lock her off in a room to keep her away from all this, which was really creepy. And then when they actually go nuts and kill their victim in the in the classroom, it looks really vicious. And I was watching it last night and trying to be aware of how much of it was in editing and sound effects that would have been put on afterwards. But these kids who are only about five or six, they're aren't they? It. Are in the classroom yeah. during this, and you're just thinking, they must have been traumatized <laughs> by this. I remember reading in Bob Balaban's Close Encounters diary because they got very young girls to play the aliens at the end, the mm. little the little greys. Um, these were little kids of six or seven or something, and because they were asked to wear these alien masks, they were crying because they couldn't really differentiate between which of them were real, and they thought some of them were really monsters or something. <laughs> So to have a classroom full of kids getting, you know, seeing this adult getting uh, bludgeoned to death with mallets must have been quite something. <laughs> and they really are, yeah, because I watched... I mean, it's very brief where you see them hitting and the kids in, in the, the background. Shot, yeah. yeah, but the, there's something there. There's something of the response, because it doesn't look like they're acting in an over-the-top. They actually look to be kind of pulling their hair really slowly as if they're a bit... What? <laughs> but yeah, um, like I say... The gore in this, given Cronenberg's famous for body horror, is a little bit few and far between. I don't know if that's a budgetary thing or if it was more like the script didn't demand as much of it. Um, le- leaving it that sparing, I think, is is really uh, I think it works a good in effect. Its yeah, yeah, definitely. And I also really liked um, Shaw's score for it. Shaw's scores. <laughs> yeah, Howard Shaw, you've been on a bit of a downer with generally, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, I, think I mean, I've been re-listening back to quite a lot of his stuff because when we did the uh, the soundtrack um, special, you mentioned yeah, his crash, stuff, crash yeah. and at the time I was a bit like, oh yeah, he's never really, really never hit the mark for me. But in the meantime, I've been listening back to some stuff and I've yeah been really getting into it. But I thought it worked so well with this because it's very screechy, very like string laden, yeah. and it's 
it, it's the kind just of keeps you on edge. Yeah, it's the noises you want to associate with. Um, um, yeah, putting the hairs on your back and neck. Well, it's kind of like I say, a lot of this is more like a nausea-inducing thing, mm-hmm. and it's to do with that theme of yeah, the divorce and the child custody phrases. I keep reeling out, but that was. There's also a lot of moments in it where obviously the main character doesn't want to believe in these bizarre things happening I mean it's we've described a lot of the film I think you can probably piece together from what we've told you what the explanation of the film is and I think even if you're watching it the the explanation's not made clear till the end but I think you can intuitively kind of Mm. figure out what's going on yeah um but throughout it there are scenes when yeah the main character doesn't immediately think oh god this is going to be a Cronenberg body horror film. <laughs> there are scenes when he initially sees uh, his daughter Candy when he's got um, when he's got her for the weekend, and the idea that he initially thinks she's been abused because he can see these marks on her body, and that because that's something that happens so frequently, sadly, in the real world. That's great. Because, it's great. <laughs> it I love really. It. It really works because then when the gore's in there as well, that's something that's just underscoring it mm. rather than making that. It would have been a mistake to have made it co- completely about the gore when you've got something so powerful as a theme going through it anyway. Yeah, it's funny because it's it's kind of like a blueprint maybe for how he went after that sort of. I suppose the eighties was his decade of um, going more over the top with the gore stuff, and then. It, it, it didn't so much fizzle out, but I mean, not even his like later films have like some really impressive uh, scenes of horror or uh, body violence. But there's always been that sort of thing with Cronenberg that there's something more to his films. I know, like when uh, Michael wrote into the show and he was saying Michael Little was saying he's never really got what Cronenberg was about. Um, I can kind of understand that, but I think Cronenberg's always had an agenda to do. He's he's very um, well. He's just done a film about Freud, hasn't he? So, yeah. but he's very of that school of thought, that train of thought of you know the the id, the ego, the the suppressed, mm. the and it really comes across in a film like this, and obviously with a such a personal uh, touch to it, or. Um, Experience the experience that he's had and like put into this film, it's probably seeped into his his other works as it's gone on, and it's a shame because Cronenberg is certainly in horror circles. I think is always associated the guy you go to for absolutely disgusting stuff, like things that <laughs> you, you make can't it sound imagine. like he's cleaning his hands in a garage. Or something. <laughs> yeah, I can fit you in on Tuesday. Yeah, but. but I think there's always been such a, a deeper level to Cronenberg's films that they probably don't get overlooked, but it gets pushed aside sometimes. Mm. And maybe this, I think Phil McGee was saying that The Dead Zone was the first Cronenberg film he thought he'd matured or yeah, whatever. His first really mature film. Yeah, I'd yeah. say this is probably the first mature film that he'd done. Um, if I was going to level that accusation at him, as it were. I remember <laughs> they released this Shivers and Rabbit together. Um, not on one tape, but like as a three tape. Um, Quite different. Yeah, and it, I remember thinking like Brood stood out from them. That felt like when he'd really got his act together. Mm. Those first two, there's a lot to recommend about them. It's been again a long time since I've seen them, but they do feel a bit more like someone learning his craft. Yeah. This, um, I'm not sure how to phrase it because, like I said, watching it last night, I've got to say it wasn't quite as gripping as I initially I used to find it. But it, there was something else going on there. 
I think last night maybe I'd, I'd watched an awful lot of films in a short <laughs> space of time yeah. to get everything ready for today. Um, but yeah, it was a surprise. I, I'd really like to watch it again in maybe a month or two, or so okay. and really get to appreciate it because that was it. The overall effect was this isn't quite as gripping as certainly things like video drama and mm-hmm. one of his latest stuff. But yeah, there's something else going on here which I really liked. But yeah, I put this more in with sort of like Spider, which mm. I really like Spider because I really love Patrick McGraw's book anyway. But it's definitely more in that sort of mold of um, it's it's a slight blurring of realities. It, it's much more about um, it's more an emotional response yeah. to stuff, whereas stuff like uh, Videodrome, even Naked Lunch, Existence, and stuff. Um, there's a uh, there's a visceral aspect to those films which are um, a lot more over the top and um, I was going to say crowd pleasing but that sounds that sounds really lame I, d- I don't mean it in that way do you know what I mean yeah uh, yeah. but I, I like I like his low key words like Dead Ringers as well I think it, yeah it Dead Ringers is absolutely up. great um, the particular scene I did like in this as well is the autopsy um, oh, yeah. When they find one of the dead kids, it's so matter of fact. Well, yeah, the guy playing the um, the pathologist is great because he's quite. He say, "Hill, can you uh, can you spot what?" Yes, we're yeah. After no describing navel. after describing this stuff that should have just had him pulling tearing his hair out, you know what's going on here? It's being powered by gas. It doesn't. Have, <laughs> it's just. He seems. Oh, well, it's an odd little deformity. But yeah, it's wow. What is? Can you guess what's wrong with it? Have you noticed it? Um, but that particular scene, you could kind of tell that the the, the naked body of this uh, killer dwarf wasn't a brilliant model. But the way they'd filmed it, because it's got this purple light, which I'm not sure if that's yeah. something they generally do in an autopsy. I doubt. I think it was a stylish touch. Yeah. But it really it it stopped the model looking cheap and actually added a really strange feel to that. Especially when it cut to the yeah. actors' faces as well. Yeah. But I was also pleased with that because do you remember when uh, Michael Little was asking us about Beyond the Black Rainbow? Yes. Which we'd yeah. just seen the trailer of. And I remember my first response was to say it seemed like Kubrick, um, Cronenberg. And you quite rightly said, no, it's more like Kubrick. Yeah. of the red light. Whereas I remember it's things like this. And indeed, looking at some of his... Um, I was looking on YouTube and someone's done like a five-minute best of bits from his first few films oh, and going right. up to the brood. And there's a lot of that kind of sci-fi imagery in there. You yes. Because um, yeah. Crimes of the Future and things. Stereo mm-hmm. is early films, dystopian kind of thing. So, um, yeah, that's something that's kind of been lost, you know. In fact, if anything, it's been a while since I've seen Scanners, but I remember that's trying to use buildings in a very modern-looking building. Oh, yeah, totally. Man. Like, he, it's amazing how he uses, like, the... Architecture. Um, the new architecture. Yeah. Well, the brutalist architecture of that period, especially, like, his 70s movies... So yeah, it maybe didn't win the listeners' vote, but I'm very glad we've had the chance to uh, go through it again. Okay, hope you've enjoyed that. Thanks for joining us, and we'll uh, see you again next week. Au revoir. The thing was in the house. It was in the house all the time. We searched the place, but we weren't looking for anything that small, and we missed it. We were spending our time checking out an Estonian musician. Have you found out who it belongs to? The kid? No. No.